Hello and welcome to The Film Angle. I'm Alex. And I'm Chris. And this is our new podcast where we're going to talk about all things film. Well, try to. Try to sound not as uh, unarticulate as we can. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we've we've had the idea of starting, uh, starting a podcast for a while. Um, and I think that the pandemic really showed us that actually we... We like talking about films, and we want to keep in touch with each other because we're not actually we're not actually in the same room. Yeah, and uh, me and Alex, I think you you'll agree, Alex, that we are notoriously terrible at keeping in touch. So this was uh, a great incentive to keep us uh, talking about movies and get back together. And I think the pandemic really solidified that for us too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, probably a little background on the two of us. Um, Alex and I met, I think, back in 2016, was it? Was it Was it then? I, 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 do you know what? I honestly don't remember the year. It feels like a long time. Not in a horrible yeah. way. In like a no, good no, way. No, no, like, no. Like I've known you a long time. Well, thank you, Alex. I mean, it makes me feel really good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, good, to yeah. Think, good, good to know you're always thinking about me. Um, um, we actually, I actually recorded it. Uh, we met actually 5,423 days ago and uh, 63 minutes. Oh my god, you're right. I've got it on my phone as well. You didn't know, but I was watching you. There you go. There you go. Are you looking over my shoulder? Uh... <laughs> yeah, but we we were both. Uh, I just moved over to England from Northern Ireland because my uh, girlfriend lives over here, and um, I started working in Toys R Us. And uh, I think I I ostentatiously just approached you one day as like. Somebody here told me that you like movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's that was honestly it. That really was it. And I'm pretty sure somebody said to me, like, that new guy, Chris, he likes movies. Uh, yeah. You should go talk to him. Yeah, um, it's actually really hard to find people in, like, day-to-day life who actually like movies. I, I, I've, I've come to find. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or, oh, like, like, talking about them in yes. the way I think we do. Yes. Which is getting a little geeky sometimes about it. Um, but I mean, our love of films, uh, mine, I, do you know, I don't actually know where mine stems from. Uh, I, I think I, when I was younger, I, I had a, I had a soft toy, a small seal called Otto. Um, and I used to make films with him. And, and from there I was like, oh yeah, I want to be a filmmaker. Um, I ended up, uh, there was a, a few years between this. Uh, I ended up going to university and studying, uh, film as a degree. Um, and that was kind of, uh, I'm sorry. Can we go, can we go back to this auto? I've never heard of this auto thing. So what was it like? What was it, a stuffed animal or was it like an action figure? Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like a he's like a cuddly toy. As a you know, like a soft cuddly toy. He's like it's like I don't know about six inches long and he's grey. And why the fascination of auto? Like was that the only toy you got as a kid? Were you depraved? Oh no, I had loads, but he was he was my main man. He was my he was my leading man. Uh actually I had a whole ensemble. Uh they were called Otto and Friends. And uh yeah, we used to make films together. There's an auto universe? Oh, oh man, oh man. I uh, do you know next next time next time you're around the house, okay? Next time you're around the house, I'm gonna have to show you uh books. Books upon books of stories that I wrote about Otto and Friends with pictures. Um You have a shrine to your own childhood works? Uh, I mean, it's a folder, but yeah, <laughs> it's a ring binder laminated. 
<laughs> it's a folder, okay? It's a folder, and you can have a look. And uh, you know, look, no shame. All right, no okay. shame. Okay. Uh, okay. It took me to university. I studied a film degree. I left university, worked in Tours R Us, and um, yeah, the film degree didn't get me into the film industry. Uh, you know, it's a difficult industry to get into, but you know, probably also- partly my own doing as well. But you know. Also, to contextualize it for people listening, you know this this university you went to, it was Falmouth, right? Which was which is right at the ends of the earth of Cornwall, which is the worst part of England to be if you ever want to be involved in the film industry, right? Look, all right, it's it's an arts university and it's okay. actually very well. It's very well known. Okay? Oh no, no, I'm not saying that, but I mean on a geographical point of view, it, it's a disadvantage, right? Yeah, I mean. You know, filmmaking's in London at the end of the day, uh, in mm-hmm. the UK. Um, you can't get away from that. And uh, London is, at this point, unaffordable. Uh, but yes. there you go. I mean, but but that being said, Mark Jenkin, the director of Bait, proved us all wrong recently. Yes, By, abso- uh, by having a very well-received film. Yes, a movie I haven't seen. From Farmer. Have you not seen it? No, I've heard it's really good. And that's a that's a future episode right there. Write okay. it down. Okay, okay. Uh, as you can tell, uh, we don't fully know what we're doing, but we are. Uh, but that's the part of the fun of this podcast is we are going to try evolve it as we go, and hopefully anybody listening can can help us out, give some feedback, and let us know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, for anybody listening, this is actually the second time we've only ever spoke on microphone. We only got we only bought our microphone or our equipment about two weeks ago, so we're still ironing things out, getting into the rhythm. It'll probably take a few episodes and a few recordings. Yeah, I mean, it's been in our head for so long, hasn't it? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's more of a... Uh... To the point where I thought, like, it was just going to fizzle. Well, I, I used to be against it. I, I wanted to start a podcast, and and, and, and I know you did uh, way before the pandemic. And I was like, we have no niche. We have no niche. Um, there's so many film podcasts. And yeah, there, do you know what? There are so many film podcasts. So we'll see how we favor. Yes. But at the end of the day, like we said previously, like let's just, just use it as a, a tool to keep in touch, and we'll see how we can use it in the future. I mean, my... My university degree didn't get me into film, but I have ended up in the digital marketing route. Maybe I can put some of those skills to the test. Um, Which you have already done. Alex has already, I I can speak uh, for you, Alex. Um, You've already done a a cover for us, which absolutely looks, I think it looks great. Um, We had a couple of samples before and I was like, "Mm," but this one was the real like light bulb moment. I was like, yes, this is, this is, this is good. This is, I'm getting excited about this now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a collaborative process. I mean, to show you how much we are just going with it and hoping for the best, uh, we probably like confirmed the name of the podcast about an hour before this recording. So, yes, you know, yes. So we, it- we we had lists upon lists of 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 names ready to go. Our better halves were were chiming in. We were you know really trying to you know we were, we were confusing matters even more. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, that's where we are. Uh, Chris, mm-hmm. where did your love of film come from? Well, um, I think we've spoken about this before, but um, I, it always came from my dad. Um, my dad was always someone I really idolized growing up, and he would probably every time he was home, he'd always I don't know, 
you fit manage to fit in two movies during the day um if it was a day where like i had no friends going outside i was like a 10 year old kid um everybody was out, like i don't know sunday school or going to the flipping leisure center to do some swimming um i'd be at home watching a movie with dad uh he put on a western and he managed to engage me and make it exciting for me where i was like yes i get this which it just kind of led snowball effect that led to more things you know probably showing me movies i shouldn't be seeing as a kid i think i was like 10 when i first saw alien and i was just wide-eyed and like what the, what the hell this thing is blowing my mind um <laughs> so yeah and i just like i was like well this guy made this thing well what else did he make and it just keeps going and going and going um i don't think it's anything specific i think it's just inherently built into you and it was certainly built in to me from a really young age i've i've always loved movies that's great that's great yeah no that's uh yeah it's lovely uh the the one thing i didn't hear there was uh you you don't have a film i don't degree. have a film degree um you don't have a film degree so so your opinions are, are invalid compared to mine right so any any opinion you have that differs to mine automatically wrong because i, I have the film degree and and i mean i've got to use it for something chris let me have it. I pull rank on every opinion. I mean, you that's spent just, what you spent like three be. years of your life, um, so that you could do something not related to what you want to do. Sorry, sorry. I I, I don't want to like throw shots already. I mean, this is only this is only the pilot episode, and I don't want to uh, falling out already. I don't want to be a Beatles Simon Garfunkel moment here. It's the way it goes sometimes. I'm this is my outlet for it now. Watching movies, talking to you about it, uh, enjoying Letterboxd, and yeah. Well, do you know what? Uh, um, yeah, I can't say I'm overly happy with the amount of money I'm in debt to the government. It is uh, nice to be debt free. I don't owe any but money for, to anybody. You know, there is that, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm in debt for studying what is now my hobby. Uh, anyway, this is getting depressing. Shall we talk about some films? <laughs> I, I, I think that that is a a pretty rough segue into what what we're, the show is about. We should probably talk about some movies. Yeah, let's talk about some films. That's what we're mm-hmm. all here for. Um, you know, the the name of the podcast should give it away that we're going to be talking about films. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep it pretty loose for this first episode, but I think going forward we're gonna we're gonna maybe uh, wrestle it down a bit yeah. more. Um, maybe go on deep dives on a couple of films, uh, maybe have a few uh, topics, maybe challenge each other to, to watch some films that we haven't seen yes. before and discuss them. Um, but I, I guess uh, for anybody listening, we wanted to maybe give you an idea today of the, of the, of the kind of stuff we are watching um, and what we think about it. Um, and just chat, you know, chit chat generally about a few films that we've recently seen, just to give you guys an idea of, of how we might talk about film and just what we've been watching um so we yeah uh we use letterboxd mm-hmm. the 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 greatest website of all time for film lovers i think M- my, the greatest website of all time used to be imdb for it uh um for me but it yeah i'm on letterboxd like 10 times a day you know i i i just i'm addicted to it it's like the first thing i for, first thing i open whenever i open my phone it's it's terrible like it, it... and it looks it's because it's such a nice Right, no, this isn't a marketing um, spiel for Letterboxd, but it's just such a nice looking but it, app. But it could be, but it could be. <laughs> you know, Letterboxd, if you, if you want to sponsor us, I know you have your own podcast, but if you want to sponsor us, we'd happily take it because we do oh, love but it. We've only got pro accounts, we're not patrons. I don't think that would, that would, that would fly too well. 
Yeah, that's true. Love those stats. Gotta, you know, you pay for the pro. You what get the Pietr- stats. What does Pietrin get, get you? Do you just get like? Do you just get that that um, that theme on the top of your review? Yeah, pretty much uh, an image just I good, think though. on your on your profile and and just feeling good that you're supporting one of the best websites. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> on uh, on the internet, a place where you can log your films, rate them, review them, and uh, share them with your friends. You can see what your other friends are doing yeah. and it, and be jealous yeah, about what half great. of the American critics are watching that you won't get to watch for about six months. Yep, very true, very true. Or just stalking Chris's page and uh, seeing him rate something that you loved pretty low and and getting upset about it and calling him up and being like, "What the this hell?" This is man? the man who gave real Bravo. I'm pretty sure a three. One of the greatest hard hawks, one of the greatest. Um, golden age filmmakers of all time and you give it a three a movie that's essentially perfect look first of all three is not a bad rating and two... were you in a bad mood alex were you a bit upset always uh... <laughs> <laughs> no I, it's nothing personal because most of the recommendations i've given you in the past you've been pretty good on you've been pretty good on but that one just did not work for you yeah and you know what there it really does sometimes these days it really does depend on how you watch it when you watch it um and increasingly how tired you are when you watch Mm. it Um, absolutely i mean the other night i um i had had the pleasure of watching uh drive my car which is a three a daunting three-hour movie i watched it after work i was pretty tired i could recognize what i was watching would be on and a different night would be like eye-opening for me it's 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 obviously yeah. an, an a near masterpiece for me, but uh, yeah, on that night I was pretty tired and I was struggling. I was struggling. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you also know like I know everybody's talking about it right now, but it, it, the cinema does help. The cinema cuts off any distractions. Absolutely. You're in the dark. Uh, you sometimes need a wee, and that sucks. Uh, but if you don't, I, no. if your bladder's free, no. then you're, you're all doing, good. You're doing it wrong. Um, you're doing it wrong then. You got to go as soon as the, before the movie starts. You got to get that pee in there before. I'm a little bit older than you, Chris. What, um, like three, I, that, two, three years. That used to be the case. That used to be the case, but increasingly, <laughs> right. increasingly becoming more and more. Well, difficult. I'll tell you in three years yeah. if, uh, if 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 you were talking bullshit or not. Fair enough. Well, there are some there are some films uh, which I've watched recently, which would have been great to see in the cinema. Yes. Um, are you talking well, about? There you go. Are you talking about uh, Clint Eastwood's film? Which one? The um, what's what is the what was the last movie? Not the not the Mule. The uh, the one afterwards. I watched it last year. Oh, Cry yeah, Macho. Cry Macho. I didn't know that movie. See it. Basically, it looks like a TV movie. It looks like it came out of Channel Five. So. I feel sorry for anyone who went to the cinema to see it. So, not a recommend. I liked it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. It's a movie. <laughs> it did not sound like you liked it. It's a it, movie then. where we're supposed to believe that a 40 something femme fatale Mexican um, matriarch hitting on a 90 something elderly Clint Eastwood is a plausibility. Yeah, well. You know, even the greatest directors <laughs> do this. You know, do, do you remember when uh, John Favreau in Chef uh, he wrote, directed it? I was, seen uh, she- the, have no, you not I've seen heard, Chef? I, I, I really want. It's one of those movies that's like always in the back of my mind. But I've, I've I've heard good things. People like it. 
Well, yeah, you know, John Favreau, he's not a bad guy and he's full of personality, of but he did write himself uh, um, dating um, Scarlett Johansson and uh, his ex-wife was <laughs> Sofia Vergara. <laughs> he was also infatuated after Iron Man 2 or something like that. Yeah, he was just like, these are the people that are, that are my my relationships, past and present. But, uh, you know, no shame, because, you know, John Favreau is obviously a pretty good director. But yeah, no, I mean, I know you love food, don't you, Chris? I, I know this. You're a big you're a big fan of food, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I love cooking food, and I'm pretty sure you do too. Chef is a great food film. Yes, and people reference Chef a lot, even to this day. I, I, I see posts relating to that movie all the time. So, yeah, it's something i got to catch up on, because I, yeah, like you, I'm a food lover. Don't do as much cooking as you. I, I actually, uh, my girlfriend Lauren is a bit more um, proactive in that part, but I do love eating food. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Have, have you ever watched um, the YouTube Chef Show binging with Babish? No. If it's not a gaming show or film show, I probably no. haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I was gonna say, like, he ended up being on the Chef TV show, which was more of a docu series. Yes. Um spinning off from chef uh but he has uh, a tattoo from the chef film of a of like basically i think it's like a pasta fork uh but yeah no it's um did i ever yeah, tell you about the time I've i went gone, i've gone off on a tangent did i ever tell you about the time <laughs> i went to italy and um the first meal i had there i was at florence and we were eating outside the um the domo the big the big cathedral there and um i was having my pasta <laughs> And some American, he was at another table across the way, and he looked over at me. I was I was struggling with this pasta, man. It was like literally about ten centimeters by ten centimeters. I was like, I need a flipping knife to eat, to eat this. And then yeah, which I I didn't know was a was a no no, right? And he looked across the way, and I heard him saying to his wife, yeah, and and the most American accent you could think of, it's like, look look over there, look at his left hand. And, and I just got like I got fork shamed for use for using the knife no and fork. Way. I felt like I that's no the most way. embarrassed I ever felt in my life. And I was like, I didn't know. It's my first day in Italy. I didn't I don't know. I basically insulted a whole nation in, in the space of twenty four hours. <laughs> Dude, and it wasn't even the locals that shamed you. That is Yeah, uh... some some yeah, fat American tourist. Oof. Alright, we're we're getting cancelled for that. Uh... <laughs> It's 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 a fact. <laughs> he was <His> cholesterol <laughs> was was really high. Um, so yeah, there, there's we've gone, off, we've gone off on a tangent. That's uh, let, yeah. you you bring okay. it back. So, so yeah, you'll have to forgive yeah. us for the lack of uh, lack of structure. We are still figuring this thing out. We will, as we progress, I'm sure we will find a flow on a way to structure structure the show in the way that works for us and is probably a bit easier for you guys to listen to as well. Um, I'm just looking at my letterbox page at the minute, and I'm trying to relate what I've watched in the last sort of month to what you've watched. I've kind of been a little bit more active this year than you have. I'm a working boy. What can I say? Um, excuse me. I'm working too. <laughs> we both have Monday to Fridays, nine to five sort of routines. No excuse. Fair you do enough. have like a dog. Did you watch The Lost Daughter? The Lost Daughter. Yeah, um, a movie I really, really liked, and uh, pro- probably eighty percent of Netflix's audience uh, thought, "What the hell is this shit?" 
very true. Very true. Uh, I also really like, so this isn't going to create the most dynamic of conversations. Okay, I'm glad to hear. But um, Olivia Coleman, Jesse Buckley, uh, I thought they're both incredible. That's in no it. surprise um, to anybody. I, I think they were they both nominated for an Oscar for this film. Is I think correct? Jesse Buckley has got a, a best supporting nod as well. Yeah. Did Olivia Coleman not get a best actress? Yeah, Mostly yeah, yeah. I, th- I think she's probably the like, probably the favorite at the minute. Yeah, she, uh, they were both amazing in this film. Um, we should probably state outright as well. Like we are just going to talk about these yeah, films, of um, spoilers and all. Um, you know, so if you hear a film name that you don't want any story details at all going into, then just just skip thirty seconds ahead. Um, we're not going to spend long. Yes, but yeah, the lost daughter, very tense. Very interesting. Uh, feels like it's always going to turn into something darker than it ever does. Um, but this kind of impending sense of, of doom and grief mm-hmm. uh, really drives the film along. And uh, yeah, no, it's a really interesting watch. Um, I think it also really helps that um, obviously this is the debut for Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is which is a beloved actress. I mean, I'm a really big fan of hers. Um, I don't know about you, Alex. But um, I think she... It's those 20-something years of her being on screen, really being able to focus on what's happening on set, being able to watch the process of filmmaking, and she seems to really soak that in, and um, it's a really strong director. You do feel like the camera is really essential to how this movie works, the claustrophobia of everything that's going on. Um, yeah, the, the I think that's probably why people didn't really connect with this movie. I mean, Olivia Coleman's character can be a little bit suffocating. She is undoubtedly overly humanized in a way we don't usually yeah, very, yes, in a way we don't usually see. Very unlikable. Yeah, exactly. We don't see that for women characters quite a lot in movies. We see it for men, but I, I think a lot of mass audiences have really struggled with the fact that she is not a really likable protagonist. No, it goes very um it goes very real in terms of motherhood. Obviously this isn't you know, not everybody struggles with motherhood. But it's 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 one of those things you're not taught it. So in everybody assumes everybody's got like this maternal instinct and it doesn't come as uh it doesn't come as instinctually as uh it, it might do to everyone, you know? And I think that film this film really shines a light on that and says like you know, not every mother is a perfect mm-hmm. mother in the eyes of society. And Olivia Coleman, uh, her character just obviously struggled mentally with with the you know mm-hmm. raising her children and being there for them, whilst also being her own person. Um, and and the film never shames her for that. Um, she might shame herself, uh, but that's part of the film. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'll... but you're not supposed to you're not supposed to hate any of the characters on the screen. Yeah, and I think a lot of people struggle with the provocation that um, that, that character brings, but I think kind of the success of the movie is actually to do with how well Coleman taps in to how, how whiplashy that that emotion is. I mean, there's there's a point in the movie towards the end where it's quite a surprising moment where Dakota Johnson's character says... Um, Okay. Wow, you left you left your kids for for two years. I mean, how how did that feel? And Coleman's response isn't what you originally think it's going to be. Instead, she says, hmm. 
it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Which she said, which she says with a degree of um, regret, but it is a really human moment and it's really refreshing to kind of see that in a movie where you're, you're, you're meeting with somebody who is inherently apathetic, but wants to be empathetic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was a great movie. Uh, really worked for me. Um, I hope Coleman does well. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Some of the best performances this year. Um, it's a it's a little slow, but if you just let yourself yeah, be in the right mood to watch, uh, you got to get your movie watching hat on. Yeah, yeah, warm yourself into it and uh, and 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 just enjoy it as like a mood piece, as a as a as a as a mm-hmm. character piece. Really, really good. Um, onto something maybe a little yeah, happier. sure. Um, did you watch uh, Disney's latest animation Encanto? Yes, I was probably one of the few people. Um, in the UK, you actually went to see it in cinemas. Um, yeah, we went to it and nobody was in the screen. It was just me and Lauren. I guess I, I guess we, we all knew uh, that it was coming on Disney Plus. And like the, the, the window between the cinema and Disney Plus. Uh, was, yes, was, but I, was like almost I think the marketing was so light. I don't know why they were so light in this movie, the marketing. I mean, um, it's Lin-Man... Manuel Miranda. I mean, he's the guy. The guy's the guy is such a big name now. I don't. I don't know why the marketing only seemed to really occur about a, a week before the movie came out for me. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it was strange, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. People might be fatigued with Miranda a little bit. I mean, like, what's the <laughs> the guy's made like three or four musicals in the last year that came on screen? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Lauren. I'm, I have to say, is the biggest Lynn Manuel fan ever. She like listens to Hamilton and in the Heights every single day. So yeah, I've had oh, my right. I've had my fill of 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 him. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to 2022. That's a little bit lighter on him. Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I really like Lynn Manuel Miranda. I haven't seen all his stuff mm-hmm. this year, but yeah, he's he's obviously. A man at the peak of his career at the moment, directorial debut, yeah. uh, writing new music for Disney. Um, yeah, Encanto, I thought I thought was excellent. He was he was very good musical. I I, I think potentially the the marketing was lighter on it because it isn't as um, it's not as like sweeping and epic a story as like a, a Frozen or Moana. Well, yeah. It's setting is set in like a small town. It's it's set in the house. About, I mean, ninety percent of the movie yeah. never leaves the house. Yeah, it's 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 a large family, um, their issues, and it's all encompassed. All the magic that that happens around it, they've all got these different powers, and it's all to do with their kind of their, uh, you know, like ancestral trauma, mm. their their current feelings, their current mental state, and 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 how that all kind of implodes on yeah. itself. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There's no, there's no true antagonist. There's it's it's more of a, it's more of just a small family piece, um, which is, I think it was very different. It was very unique for Disney. Right, first to be it, first to be it. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. It's that it's refreshing. I th- I think we are getting to a period now before when disney animation studios were starting when you had tangled there was like a sense of, oh right right okay we're going we're going in a different direction now but i i feel um ever since sort of frozen and certainly moana we are getting into a pattern 
now with the stories. Um, certainly with the empowering female, the the grand the grandmother who's the matriarch tells our main character what's gonna what's kind of the world and how it's set out. The villain, the villain that's not really a villain that has been kind of true of the last three sort of movies. Um, I I, I, I think we need to kind of get out of the rhythm a little bit. I don't know how much more I can, I can take every so often. Disney does this where they, they, they get something new, but then they stick to it for 10 years happened at the end of the nineties, at the end of the Renaissance. I feel like it's happening again. So I think we kind of need to shift it. That's you do not. That is very fair. And those were observations that hadn't really put two and two together. I think they presented it in a way, which made me feel like maybe it was more refreshing than it actually yeah, was. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you that. Um, and it, but I, you know, I had a lot of fun yeah. with it. Disney Animation is not really putting a foot wrong at no, the moment. No, I think uh, they've got a better track record at the minute than Pixar. Yeah, they've not really put a foot wrong since they released Tangled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all been pretty good from there. Um, did you watch Luca? Any other? Did thing? you watch Luca? Yeah, yeah, I watched Luca. I really enjoyed yeah. Luca. Uh, I, I, I kind of like, I kind of, I like, I like the fact that um, they were sort of brave enough to make it kind of small. Um, it was kind of just a small, cute little story. Uh, kind of felt like a Ghibli movie in a way. Yeah, yeah. Would you say Disney Animation did the same thing with Encanto? Or no, Encanto definitely had more. I think whenever you're making a musical, you're inherently the scope uh, scope of a musical always opens up. And it's always going to be a bigger movie whenever you have all those song elements. And that movie is very vibrant. Yeah, that's fair. I Yeah, and I, I kind of see where you're coming from there. Luca is obviously not a musical and uh, and is a, is a smaller story. Small, smaller movie, but I really, I really liked tell. it. Yeah, really sweet. And do you know what I would... If I was to rank them, uh, I'd probably put Luca ahead of Encanto overall. Raya um, being the disappointment of the year for me. Watching? Raya and the Last Dragon. It just kind of that kind of fell flat flat for me a little bit. Yeah, do you know what I am? I am with you. I again didn't hate it. A lot of these, a lot of these guys aren't really making anything that you can dislike. <laughs> That's um, But yeah, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, not. I think maybe it's because it wasn't what I expected mm-hmm. it to be, um, which probably was more like uh you know moana or frozen do you think it needed musical Um, numbers i think it was more story focused than character focused Mm -hmm. which has been the stronger element of the recent disney films is they've all been very character focused yes and raya she was second to the story it threw you into the film and it said you need to get this to get Mm -hmm. this to mm-hmm. get this to stop if you, if you were to t- if you were to tell me ask or ask me um he, he is ray as a character you know six months after watching that movie i can't i can't tell you what else you've been watching chris um well i managed to catch up the first movie i watched in the new year um i'm a really big wes anderson fan and i managed to catch up with the expectedly fantastic french dispatch Oh, okay. Tell me about it because I haven't seen it yet, uh, but I did see that it is coming to Disney so, Plus of all places. So the French Dispatch is basically it's uh, an anthology movie. So it's based on um, I think three separate stories um, within this um, this magazine or this newspaper. It's called the French Dispatch, which is um, which is a local newspaper that's run by Bill Murray, and it focuses on three stories that are within the newspaper. 
um, one that's headed by Francis McDormand, one by Jeffrey Wright, and uh, one that's got Benicio Del Toro as the main character. And it's just this really cool little movie that really is Wes Anderson at his most Wes Anderson. I mean, if you think Grand Budapest Hotel was him on a at a at a cocaine Anderson level, well, uh, French Dispatch is even more so. Um, yeah, a lot of people kind of stuck their noses up on 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 this one. Um, people saying like, "Oh, like write another one." We know what he does, but it's it's. I think that's really unfair to say that about somebody who really invented a genre for themselves i mean can you really mm. can you can you blame him for he perfected it on the first go he's just he's he's sticking to what he knows i mean i think that's a virtue as opposed to a crutch yeah he's really just honed in on his on his quirks isn't mm-hmm. he really and i am very excited to see the french dispatch i'm kind of sad that i didn't get around to watching it when it came out in the cinemas but uh yeah maybe maybe we should we should dive deeper into that one um yeah there's definitely there's lots to enjoy in that one i'm looking forward to watching the second time so yeah. i'm happy to i'm happy to catch up on that one excellent uh, what about you alex uh what what did you start your new year off with uh well i i started my new year off with um the lost daughter so we've already spoken about that one uh but another film that uh, i really got on with was boiling point um yes very new to this year with uh stephen graham a one-shot take or so it seems uh one shot take of a kitchen in a in kind of like a high-end restaurant um and our main character is uh seemingly having a few outside issues with uh wife and and child or ex-wife and child and uh it, you know as the name suggests it all comes to a bit of a boiling point in the film mm-hmm. uh the restaurant's going through some things and uh it's not just about Stephen Graham's character it's uh, all the characters that surround him in this kitchen get a chance to shine and uh do you know what I really enjoyed it it actually reminded me it's a it's a very good film <laughs> about showing uh some of the kind of uh obnoxiousness that that comes with working in an environment where you have to mm-hmm. deal with customers mm-hmm. the entitlement um, yeah 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 it kind of reminded me of our time at Toys R Us and uh, <laughs> <laughs> anywhere else where with in a high stress environment um you know maybe a few of my jobs uh post Toys R Us uh where some of the yeah. kind of stress from management trickles down to the bottom uh which uh you know is never a good never a good thing but uh yeah it's 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 great you kind of forget that it's all one take after a while it's it's just really really well done i think the true power of the movie is really no matter who you are going into this movie no matter what your background everybody has experienced a situation or an evening or a week or i don't know their whole entire working life as being like this moment in this film where it's just absolutely claustrophobic. It's absolutely suffocating. I, I mean, I've been there. It was, it was almost like reliving trauma, but in a, in a healthy way where I got to like sit back and, and enjoy the fact that I wasn't participating in it. For sure. It was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this, this feels right. This is, this is what it's like sometimes. That's a um, thing. I don't think either of us have worked in a restaurant, but you kind of, it, the, the kind of vibe that it gives off. Yeah. Like I, um, reminds you of other places. I don't watch it anymore, but I, I used to be quite a big fan. Whenever my parents used to watch um, MasterChef UK, um, I used to I used to watch that with my with my mom and my dad. And I just 
I just always thought to myself, why would you put yourself in this situation? Why do people thrive off this? It almost seems like it's self-injuring. It's like self-hating. It's just like it's such a, a toxic environment. Um, but it's also sort of just really awe-inspiring, like just to see people function in a way that kind of just is so separate from myself. And uh, it's yeah. quite, quite inspiring. And the movie and the filmmaking process emulates that in a way. And the way that it's shot in one take, that follows everything, it's chaotic like the movie. And and, in a way, it couldn't have been shot any other way. It had to be done like this to really capture what it is like moment to moment. If you had cuts, it would have given you too much time to breathe and kind of go like, separate yourself. But you were caught up in the moment and uh, the movie really worked on that level for me. Yeah, it was really good. Um. A movie I feel that you'd liked, but we are slightly different on, and uh, we've got to talk about it. It's The Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, okay. Um, The Matrix Resurrections is a weird one, because I left the cinema not really knowing how I feel. Um, Mm -hmm. And I should definitely check it out, though, that I don't hate it, because I think a film that makes you feel conflicted is definitely not something that's bad uh but i can't find enough to make me love it either um it's a weird one there was a lot of good stuff going on uh but also a lot of stuff that just kind of baffled me uh not in like i didn't understand it kind of way Mm uh but just in like i think you're trying to do too much (laughs) do we really need to do this and are you criticizing the very thing you are also emulating uh well that that last point is a guarantee i mean that is inherently built into the movie um yeah it, it it's it depends on how much baggage you bring to the matrix um i had i've i know the first matrix movie very well i mean i, I can i probably watched it when i was like eight or nine and then subsequently watched it every year since then um two and three i've only ever seen once so i recently revisited them both and uh, they both really worked for me. I mean, like a lot of people really are down on Resurrections, but I had so much, no, not Resurrections, sorry, should I say Revolutions. Um, I, I was just loving it. I mean, I had a really good time watching that movie. The trilogy is is just a really good fun time for me. I, even even the Jesus weird stuff with Keanu at the end of, uh, of the third film, um, I, can, I can overlook for something that I really think is a really um, surreal um, metaphysical sort of ethereal movie that really gets you thinking about our reality and uh yeah i i was hyped for resurrections yeah no for sure i um i love the matrix i do you know what? i used to love the whole trilogy when i was younger mm-hmm. and i first experienced the films and i watched them over and over again <laughs> i thought they were amazing all three of them uh yeah. the, the you know the subsequent video games i was all over it like oh you did know. you have the ps2 game yeah 100 percent. yeah me too <laughs> me <know>. too <laughs> and it was great you could run on walls and do flips and yes. you know the bullet time um but maybe you know maybe that's what i liked more as a kid you know than growing up and realizing there's a lot more to the matrix maybe mm-hmm. they're poking mm-hmm. fun at people who didn't come to that realization in the resurrections film but um i you know for me the the first matrix film is 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 an absolute masterpiece uh 
I actually got a chance to watch it on the big screen because uh, me and Chris were not old enough to watch it on the big screen when it first came out. Um, no. Got a chance to watch it on the big screen at university, so that that mm-hmm. year's nine grand was well spent. Uh, and it was the, the the first Matrix movie was the first movie I was ever scared of. Oh, interesting! I was scared of it. My uncle, who used to babysit me, used to tease me with the first Matrix movie because it scared the living shit out of me. Um, particularly the moment where where Neo is held down and that 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 nano spider thing that goes in his belly button. Yes, yeah, yeah. That yeah. used to like I, I I was like four or five years old, and my uncle was like force he literally locked the room and forced me to watch it. I'm like oh I'm God. absolutely going. I had I had nightmares about that scene for like for forever for months. I used to be scared whenever my uncle Nigel came into the room. I used to like I used to run away because I thought he was going to pin me down. And make <laughs> oh so it, yeah, it took me it took me a while to warm up to the Matrix. And when I rewatched it recently, I was just like I said I said to Lauren, "It's like it just reopened a whole can of worms again for me." <laughs> oh my god, your childhood trauma with Uncle Nigel. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Uncle Nigel. He's definitely not listening to this. I haven't spoken to him in probably about ten years. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh yeah, wow, that's interesting. I think I was a lot older than you when I watched it. I must have been. It was that. 10, it was at that period. Nigel you know? was about twenty, and it was at that period where it just came on VHS. It taken the world by storm. And everybody had seen it. It yeah. was like whenever I was a kid, everybody was renting Scream on VHS and trying to scare their little brothers or sisters of it. Um, it was that sort of time period. The nineties was a little bit weird for that. I do remember, uh probably you know six seven uh you know being around a friend's house and them chucking on starship troopers i mean really not yeah, figuring old. out you know uh five starship six, troopers at five or six that makes no sense <laughs> what he's watching what five uh, or six year old is get is engaging with starship troopers i mean most of the movie is dialogue but my friends were older do you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say seven eight i'm gonna say seven eight just bring it up a little bit now that i'm thinking about it seven eight not that okay, makes it any better okay. uh that was probably one of the first films that there was like an adult film that kind of okay. freaked me out a bit um we definitely didn't watch it i mean all. the bug scenes um, and like there's there's the infamous sex scene but like the bug scenes are like twenty minutes of the whole movie. The rest of it's kind of just like dial, like blocky dialogue, which I, which you know, in context, I really love. But I'm why is six or seven year olds watching? That? I'm struggling to see you at seven years old sitting. Do you know, in front I, of this. Wa- I watched it. I, do you know, I watched uh-huh. it back recently, and I, I'm pretty sure we skipped to the bit. Um, we skipped to the bit where they're on right. the alien planet. So you're seeing yeah. more of just the yeah. gore and the blood. Like there's de- uh, like I do yes. not remember. Like I watched it recently, I did not <laughs> remember a single thing apart from when they get to the planet, the infamous yeah. sex scene, <laughs> some of the gore and the fighting, and you just think, yeah, you know, uh, my older friends definitely, uh, you know, scarred me. It was one of those movies. One. My dad, every time it came on TV, my dad would just put on and he'd watch it. Um, and I, every time I. Every time so I came into it, it was always on the planet. So I just, I just naturally thought that's how the movie began. It's so good, and it's got so much mm-hmm. to it. You're right. Like, there's so much before coming to that planet. Um, yeah, we should, we should do a deep dive on Paul. Oh, Paul absolutely. Because his, his filmography is is is. We, we've got to do a Benedetta episode. Yeah. When is that coming out? 
in 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 the UK? Is it is it March? Yeah, I, feel like um, it's March. I, I gotta I gotta t- double check out what. I don't think it has been released over here. I mean, I, I played in, it played in America, but no, uh, in the in the states about two months ago. But um, yeah. Yeah, they had it at the end of uh Yeah, I'm very freaking to watch that. Yeah, which means it's kind of lost a bit of steam, but clearly um hopefully hopefully it'll pick back up again for the UK stuff cuz Yeah. Yeah, really I think people are just really excited to see Verhoeven kind of doing um going back to his sort of roots again. I mean, the guy's like in his 80s now and like I don't know how much more we're going to get into him, but I think he he seems to be getting in back into the mode. So as many Verhoeven movies as possible, please. Yeah, it's kind of like trashy fun but also wait is this hi is this good this is good this is really good that's, this, that's how i feel during every single one of his films um i don't think that he's ever trashy by accident it's completely by design i he's a provocateur oh yeah he's a provocateur oh yeah he loves 100%. he loves to he loves to throw weird things in there just to because he thinks it's because he thinks it's funny yeah yeah, yeah, you can tell mm-hmm. he's having fun with the audience. Uh, but a man he's deeply, deeply interested in religion, which is sort of most mm. of his work is kind of emulates that. But he's got a specific interest with Jesus. I think he's even written a book on Jesus Christ. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Actually, there's, there's a few filmmakers kind of uh, who have taken religious aspects into their mm-hmm. work um obviously martin scorsese uh kevin smith yeah um you know you know in, in, inspiration for the podcast uh but we were yes, talking about we, the matrix. We, we, we've gone on to a bit of a, you know what bit of a we, tangent here where were we is the matrix good Chris? matrix, is the matrix good? isn't good it's great it's great it's great um explain, explain to me, to me why. why well before I explain to you why it's important to contextualize yourself, the movie the movie is completely dependent on context, which isn't a bad thing. It's what you bring. It's what you bring to it. If you watch The Matrix back in 1999 and subsequently in the early 2000s for the sequels, and you're coming back into this one, you're gonna hit it. You're gonna hit it because you probably remember it for being an action spectacular. And that's probably the weakest point of the Resurrections. I think I can agree with that. That the action. Lana isn't probably the best at directing it, or I don't even know if she's really interested in making it that look that great. Um, the movie is being made with a certain reluctance. She was for she was sort of forced into making it by Warner Brothers. I think um, the um, Agent Smith uh, character reinforced that in the movie by pretty much vocalizing that Warner Brothers is forcing us. Well, yeah, they they yes. they full on call out Warner Brothers in the film produced by warner brothers it's quite a fun moment yeah it's it's they they clearly mm-hmm. gave over mm-hmm. a lot of creative control uh which is good because obviously uh lana wachowski should get yeah as all the creative control because it's her baby um but yeah i i don't know like i loved that they did that but also it was that kind of stuff at the start which maybe took me out a little bit I think with for the me, stuff? it was more the, yeah, the Morpheus stuff or just the, there was mm-hmm. no mystery. There was no, you know, you were, you were thrown into the mm-hmm. film and you were told, you know, the Matrix is real. Now, obviously, we've got the three previous films to prove that. But in the film, they make it out as if the last three films were video <laughs> Which games. Which I think is a pretty ingenious idea, really. If, 
it's a brilliant idea. It's a brilliant idea. But not at one point does the audience believe that this could be the case. I would have loved it if maybe, just maybe, that first half an hour of the film, you were left thinking, like, are they, are they gonna, are they gonna make us think that the Matrix was just video games? Are they gonna make us think that maybe the past three films are redundant and this is a new thing? And I thought that would have been bold if they had done that. But also, that's interesting. I didn't think about that before. So there's, you know, the first half an hour of the film, you're not, you're not in Neo's mind. You are just, uh, you, you're just there, um, knowing that he's got, you know, that that his inkling of thought that there's more to this world is true because you've already seen it. Um, obviously, the three films prove that. But you know, I, I think the the thing that really works is is that first initial meeting with neo and trinity when they meet in the cafe and there is something that really just like yeah. it's really like really hard hitting and powerful about the moment where they where they cross eyes and they shake hands and i think it's just the, the passage of time the baggage they bring um really there's a lot of heft in that moment and i think that kind of was enough for me to really get on board whereas i suppose the neo and trinity uh, plot line in the first three films probably the weakest aspect i don't know if you agree was probably the weakest aspect of those movies but kind of became the strongest element surprisingly in this movie which is kind of a really which is kind of a really big turnaround yeah i mean i don't know whether i would go as far to say that it was the weakest it was aspect on. of it was those films on. however it, it was something where films of those times had to have a relationship element um but I don't think it was particularly done bad. I mean, the second film reinforces that he he he, you know, he puts the Matrix, uh, not the Matrix. Where what's the place? Zion. Yeah, Zion puts Zion at risk, you know, to save Trinity. So that you know the the emotional connection they have between them has always been a strong thing in the films. So I wouldn't go as far to say that it was tacked on. But I would say it is definitely the uh, the strongest part of this film. And cl- clearly mm-hmm. the only, you know, one of the main reasons that Lana wanted to go back and mm-hmm. do this film was to kind of reinforce that. I think I think their relationship is the is the building blocks of the film. It's interesting what you said that about Lana. I think the last 10 years, I think Cloud Atlas onwards, when we think about Jupiter Ascending, her movies... Uh, the Wachowskis movies have became a lot more on the nose about what they're about. They're really broad. They're really smacking you over the head. The lo- true love conquers all. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think you're either on board with that sentiment or you're not. I, I certainly am. I really like the broad strokes. Um, maybe that wasn't as prevalent in their their first movie, like the first couple of movies, like The Matrix. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's I it's a preference thing. I get. I'm not upset with anybody who dislikes The Matrix Resurrections. I'm just saying it really worked for me, and I think it's really an interesting, unique movie that we probably will never get again. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Um, I don't hate it. I don't love mm-hmm. it. I can see why people would hate it and I could see why people would love it. I'm very in the middle. Uh, I liked it. Didn't love it. I wish, mm-hmm. I wish I did, but there's something stopping me. And I, I, and I feel like maybe it's how it too much 
ends on a similar note to the original Matrix, yeah. and it left me thinking, like, why, why well, paint the skies of Rainbow story, and and uh, yeah, come yeah. on, and, I mean, uh... <laughs> Neo and Trinity flying off into the into the sunset together was all I needed. Yeah, but what what about that? Um, what, what was the story that? After all this time, we went back to the Matrix. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether we needed a new one. I was happy to see a new one, but I didn't leave the cinema thinking like, "Yeah, we really needed that to round off the 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 series." I just appreciate that we got something pretty unique. All right, Chris. I uh, I think we should call it a day there on our first ever podcast uh episode yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure people are probably relieved to hear that by now you know if you if you've joined us here on our first episode then you know thank you very much um i hope we can polish this further and and evolve this and i think the idea is is that we want to be like honest and open with everybody who listens and just say look you know you are at the start of this with us. Come on the journey with us. Help us out. Give us some feedback and uh, and 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 let us know what you think. Like uh, this is new to us, and we're happy to play yeah. around. We're not, you know, we're not stuck with any particular format, any particular way of doing things. Um, but you know, I've had fun. I've had fun this night. I've had fun tonight. It's it's great. Um, yeah, it's we, we will find we will find our way. Um, I think we are both fairly committed to looking at this on a scope of, you know, a few months down the line. We'll, I think we'll still be doing this. So hopefully by that point, uh, we'll have a little bit better of an idea of what we're doing and uh, a little bit more re- refinement on that part. Definitely, definitely. And I think it'll be good to give ourselves like a uh, a goal for the Absolutely. next podcast. What are we going to talk about? And, um, you know, I think... The Oscar yes. nominations have just come out, and I've got a bit of catching up to do, and I, I, I think it'd be mm-hmm. good just to talk about some of those. Uh, yeah, is it silly to talk about the Oscars? They're a Ponzi award ceremony for I, film I, people. Like, the Oscars are fun. Um, I mean, I, I, they're they're fun. I you take them at face value. They're it's it's fun. Yeah, and I think it'd be a good jumping point to hit some of the, uh, you know, the the mm-hmm. the more mm-hmm. talked about films of yeah. uh the last strong i mean strong a strong year 2021 was pretty good yeah do you know what? i mean we'll you know we'll talk about it next episode but, uh probably the first time the nominations came out and i i didn't you know <laughs> face palm and, and be like oh really there's that's, a couple of snubs um i'm looking forward to mentioning in the next episode yeah. we'll see if you agree but yeah shall, let's let's do that let's let's talk about that next week uh and and our feelings on them um but yeah, for I think that's it for tonight. And um, thank you for joining us and listening to us. Yeah. Um, have a have a have a good movie watching week, everyone. Once again, uh, I'm Chris, and I'm Alex, and thank you for listening to the Film Angle. <laughs>